Friends, cast your minds back with me to your grade school history class where you learned about the Roman Empire. You may remember all the stunning feats of engineering, the stories of conquest and expansion across Europe and Northern Africa and the Middle East, the unwavering commitment to the Republican form of government until, of course, Julius Caesar comes along and claims the kingdom for his own. The intrigue, the, the gladiators, the glory. But if you had a really good teacher who wanted to take you beyond the headlines, you would also know that while the Roman Empire was incredibly impressive, it was also incredibly oppressive. For example, it was deeply hierarchical with significant disparities between the rich and the poor citizens and non-slaves and free. It was also deeply patriarchal, that is, the men held all the cards. Women had no formal political power and could not hold elective office. This, too, was part of the history of ancient Rome and an important one at that. And interestingly, one of the ways that the Romans justified this class system was to use the metaphor of the body. The body is organized with a head that was at the top, which is obviously the superior part in charge of the many lesser members, and therefore, they reasoned, their society should be organized in the same way. Now imagine with me that you are living in the Roman city of Corinth, on the Greek Peloponnesus, and a man named Paul, a Roman citizen, is writing to you about organizing a society as a body, but in a very different way. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one Spirit. Paul has taken this well-known body metaphor, which until then had been a template for social striation and division, and made it instead into a metaphor of unity and equality. Paul knew he was on to something with this, for in the subsequent verses he will further expound on this idea, outlining how every individual member of that body, the foot, the hand, the eye, the ear, the head, is of equal importance, with something of value to contribute for the building up of that body, certain gifts granted to them by that same Spirit. Gifts which are to be offered up to the good of the whole. And he goes to great lengths to make clear that each member needs the others to function and to flourish. This was a completely new conception of how a community should be organized, not vertically, but horizontally. And in this metaphor, Paul is capturing the, the beauty and the possibility 
of developing a unified body that is diverse in its membership, equitable in its treatment of its people, and broadly inclusive in its reach. This was a radical idea in those days. What about about these days? Diversity, equity, inclusion. These have become loaded words recently. But as theological principles, they are fundamental to the Christian faith and the communities which are born from that faith. For what is this day of Pentecost, the day we call the birthday of the church, if not an explosion of diversity? This holy wind rushes through the souls of the disciples and suddenly they are speaking every language under the sun, prophesying about God's Spirit to people from all over the known world. A Spirit which is poured out on everyone, regardless of age or class or gender. It is an indiscriminate Spirit and as of that moment in Acts 2, it's on the loose. The psalmist even echoes this same explosion and expansiveness of spirit this morning when he writes, O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. You send forth your spirit, and they are created. And so you renew the face of the earth. May the Lord rejoice in all his works. Even the magnificent multiplicity on display in the natural world that we marvel at every day, this too is a testament to the expansiveness of the Spirit of God. For it shows us the totality of God's work in all its myriad diversity, which is equal in that it is all cause for rejoicing and inclusive in that it is all within God's reach. Therefore, in a theologically oriented life, that is a life of faith, a Christian life, diversity, equity, and inclusion are not just to be desired, they are required. For they celebrate and they acknowledge both our unique gifts given to us in our particular creation and the remarkable gifts that others have and bring to the table. The message of Paul's body metaphor is that we each have an important part to play and that we need each other to be whole. And the day of Pentecost shows us that there are to be no restrictions on who is included and invited to participate in that community. Because our body is strengthened by every member because each person brings something that we do not already have. This is the orientation the Holy Spirit challenges us to have towards other people, especially people who are different from us. And the question is, can we maintain enough humility 
to strive for unity while keeping our diversity? Do we believe that our unity is enhanced, that our body is strengthened by our differences or destroyed by them? For there is, we know, a natural and eternal tension that comes from striving to reconcile these things, how we can be united while still being different, how we can incorporate and celebrate those differences without reducing them or letting them rip us apart. And the truth is, we are pretty terrible at holding this tension. The work of understanding and appreciating and incorporating a certain level of difference into our common life is exhausting. And too often we take the easier road that exchanges unity for uniformity. It turns to fear rather than acceptance or superiority, rather than curiosity, judgment, rather than celebration. Which is why I have come to believe that ultimately this tension of how to hold in balance our unity and our diversity can only really ever be reconciled in God. Because God is both one and many. This is the great paradox that sits at the center of our faith, the doctrine of the Trinity, one God, Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A divine mystery in which each element is separate with its own unique purpose and yet still exists as one. This is what we hold up as the essence of the Godhead. And it is where we learn that unity and diversity can coexist. And it is by God that we can experience both our unity and our differences as sacred. For God grounds us in a place where we see each person as beautifully created, a being graced with gifts from a common source, gifts just waiting to be discovered and then offered back to the good of the whole. Without this theological grounding, our efforts at diversity and equity and inclusion will only ever be mildly successful. But by the grace of God, and by the power of that Holy Spirit, we can hold that tension of being one while celebrating all, modeling our lives after the God who is both one and many and loves the many as one. I realize this may all sound a little bit esoteric, but we're actually about to practice this in a really tangible way, in the sacrament of baptism. As St. Paul says, baptism is the great unifier, for in it we are all united by that one spirit, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, it does not matter who we are, because in baptism we are all one, but we are not all the same. In this rite, we will welcome a unique individual into this community and celebrate her for the gift that she already is and the gift that she will be. 
And we do so with an excitement to see how much better we will become for her having been with us. And the way we will welcome her is the same common way everyone has always been welcomed into a Christian community through the symbol of water, which is the common source from which all living beings draw their life. And we will also recite the instruments of unity around which we gather. And for us, those are the historic statements of belief from the church, the creeds, as well as the more contemporary articulation of our understanding of the Christian faith that we call the baptismal covenant. These, along with things like the Ten Commandments and the summary of the law and the Holy Scriptures, these form our areas of unity. These function as the skeleton upon which our body connects and coheres. But how we will live out that faith, the part that we will play as a member of that body, that will remain unique to each of us. Which is precisely the point. We are not all the same. We don't think alike. We don't look alike. We don't act alike. We don't love alike. And thanks be to God for that. Because that diversity is what the church is built upon. Pentecost is a day to remember that the church is founded on the principle of one body, many members, called into that community by an indiscriminate spirit. It's a day that reminds us we are not to be a closed community, huddled in fear in a locked room with those who live like us and think like us and look like us, but rather a community on fire with a spirit that propels us out into the streets of a city teeming with people from every nation under the sun, seeking them out and welcoming them in. A community that then trusts in that same spirit to strengthen and sustain us across the differences we hold, serving as the ligaments that bind this body together. A body that strives to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive, because that is how God is. For anywhere that you find unity existing across difference, there, my friends, you have also found the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.